I'm just going to open this cool box, dear Richard, on the Wiggly podcast from Wiggly Wigglers in Blakemere and give you your present from Ross Boardman, 99 Station Street, Burton on Trent. Look at these beauties. Oh, look at that. Tickle Brain Ale. Well, I've never tried it before, but uh, 8%. Mm, I think that will be rather fine. I tried it. All sorts of things happened. <laughs> you wouldn't need any more of that bottle, would you, really? <laughs> and another. Oh, wow. My golly. So four bottles of this beautiful black gem I of think a that's stuff. a different sort. OK, Empire. Oh, that's, it. that's only weak at 7.5%. <laughs> That'll do for you. Well done. Oh, cheers, Ross. Most appreciated. You had a great time, didn't you, I think? It was excellent. Chef Dan cooked Farmer Phil's steak... <laughs> And Ross said it was some of the best steak he'd ever eaten. Oh, wow. And I don't know where you were. I couldn't make it. And that, well, that and in fact, that was of your making, because I was rushing. Well, actually, I was rushing and I ended up in all sorts of difficulties, consequently. Yeah, well, you know, occasionally, I think you should have a poker up your... Uh, you, know, yes. I'm, you know, I want to yeah, get you right. moving quicker. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, you've, you have said that in the past. I yeah. have. So, Rich, um, what happened? Oh my God! Well, you don't want well, to say. Well, well okay. Do you well, want to okay, say? Well, I may as well say. Now you've asked me and you've tried to tease it out to me, because because you know I was going down to Hampton Court to help out for the last two days of the Wiggly Stand, Thank you very day, which much. is incidentally very good. It was a good show, Hampton Court. It was lovely, wasn't yeah, it? I've been for since I was seventeen. My grand. Yeah. So anyway, I fiddling around, and I I'd had a strategy of the things I wanted to do before I set sail, but. I just had to fit a couple more things in because a blinking rabbit in the garden, a little rabbit in the garden, had nipped off all the heads of the fennel. So I thought, swine. So I replanted some of the fennel because I thought it might happen. And I, so I kept some, replanted, put a little low fence, just some gridding I had around the fennel to, to give Is some fen- protection. Is a fennel a companion plant or do you just No, no, you know, uh, bulb fennel. You know, oh, um, yeah. yeah. So I put in these little spikes, steel spikes around the fence to keep it upright, obviously, in these little panels. The spikes are those little old sticks with triangles at the bottom and then what would have had a little curly piece on the top to hold the electric... Oh, my dad had those. That's electric fencing. That's right. Well, the little curly bits have long since gone, so Mm. you've got this flat-topped... Spike. Yeah, you need some little covers on there. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, little tennis balls or something. Yeah, like that. no, yeah. you need some little yeah. handmade uh, covers. Something or other. Some yeah. corks. Corks, corks <laughs> will do. Corks will do it. But anyway, because uh, uh, so I was rushing, you know, trying to get this extra little job that I thought I could just fit in before uh, the in. train went. And uh, before I, yeah, before now, I had to get into Hereford to get a train. Now stop there. Right, Picture right. the scene. I'm in Burton on Trent. Sam who's coordinating Hampton Court with Rachel, has lost Richard. She phones me. I say, no worries, it's just come through on my iPhone that Ricardo is leaving the building. He's just getting on the train. There you are, you see. So I had the foresight to contact you even to let you know what my movements were, (laughs) so to speak. So anyway, uh, during this process of finishing, completing the, the fencing... My vegetable patch, of course, is terraced, so the paths are slightly lower uh, than the uh, the vegetable growing bit. Mm. So I, uh, as I leapt over mm. the little low fence, I hadn't taken into account the mm. protrusion of 18 inches of steel mm. spike above mm. the uh, the little low fence, and plump, promptly landed 14 stone of fishbone on top of the on top of the metal spike, missing my 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 bum hole by a bum hole's width. Impaling myself at a goodly two and a half inches 
And, uh, and of course, it's quite soft tissue. I mean, it's soft tissue to the extent where, you know, and as you land on it, you, you, it was that sensation of, mm. It was just, you could hear sort of... And, and, I thought, mm, that's not good, that's not good. So, of course, you know, I, was, I, I leapt off the, the said spike and, uh, and thought, mm, and I could feel this, this warm fluid dribbling down my leg. Mm, that's not good. So, of course, I, I thought, so I, sh- I, I, yeah. I shot into the shot into the shower, and uh, and had to have a, a little explore just to see the kind of damage that I'd done. I felt quite poorly at this stage, you know. I was feeling a little bit uh, nauseous. Yes. So I knew I thought. Oh, so I stuck my finger in the hole up to uh, the second knuckle, the second thing on on the finger. And your and, and so fingers was, are quite so was, well. It's good two inches deep, yes. you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I thought, mm, God, yeah. Now I've, I've got to go to my A and E. So I rang the taxi company that would come to pick me up to take to the train station. I said. Could you do me a favour? Could you get here uh, an hour earlier and uh, and take me to A and E rather than the train station? He said, "Oh, oh yes, no problem." So, so anyway, straight to the train station. I got into A and E at uh, ten to four. Accident and emergency. Ten to four, and I was on the train down to Newport to get me down to London at uh, twenty to five. Very good, bad, Rich. Eh? That's what a stalwart you I are. Mean, the, NHS, the show must I've got go to say, on. You know, fair play to him. They are fabulous as always, but yeah, show must go on. Yeah, my <laughs> God! And so it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't really stitches? until Saturday. It really started to because it was hurting. But it was Saturday. God, it was hurting big time because, of course, that's when all the bruising came out, and it felt like I'd had a, a, uh, a, a spike rugby up your ball and a, a, a second, a third buttock almost because <laughs> the bruising was so bad. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, a couple of stitches. And two uh, two different types of antibiotics I'm on now, just because there's a little bit of weeping going on. Do you know, I know it's terrible, you know, I'm very sorry that that's happened, but you cannot imagine how glad I am that all these incidents, touch wood, seem to happen to you at your own abode. Because I just imagine the NFU claim for Ricardo injuries going into the million figures. I think it's a funny thing. Well, it's like I told you when I told you this story first, is when you you do driving accidents, you know, it it tends to be that most people have traffic accidents close to home because it's it's something that they're familiar with. Well, they're they're more uh, often. They're more (laughs) often, certainly, yeah. But so they take... So they're not thinking as much. So mm. I think when you're working, uh, you know, at elsewhere other than in your own immediate, very familiar environment, <laughs> then you, you, you know, you just don't think as much, and that's, you know, that's exactly what happens to me. Well, thank you for sharing that. This is a public are. service announcement <laughs> to all those gardeners all over the world. Be very careful <laughs> when in your garden, and if you do insist on being so tight that you're going to go and get a farmer's old sheep fencing, do make sure you put a cork on top of the do spike. Well, yeah, Otherwise, you will need a cork plastic in your bottle buttocks. Or anything, really. <laughs> I have put plastic bottles there before, because it is, it is day. I mean, it is silly, really. You know, it's worth putting plastic bottles or tennis balls or something like that on, the, on any bamboo canes or spikes and things like that, because you just you don't know. You can do yourself a real mischief. And folks have died, actually, from falling on things and paling themselves, haven't they? Oh, so there you go. So could have been a lot worse. Thought. Could have been a lot worse. Let's go and have a Montycast. The Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. My cousin Alfie is in the Wiggly Open Day video when asked his favourite thing, and he says, "Parringers." Another Montycast next week on the Wiggly Podcast. Listen, Rich. What I really want to know is what have you been up to in your garden before we go 
to Richard's chicken piece. Okay, well, the garden's looking particularly fabulous because we've had the most wonderful growing season. I'm dead concerned, though, that all this rain is going to predispose blight on my tomatoes again. I want my Mm. beautiful tomatoes. In fact, Megan's black crim got some beautiful, big, chunky tomatoes looking absolutely fabulous, but... You know, if we keep getting rain, the outdoor tomatoes ain't going to like it very much Farmer at all. Farmer Phil's worried about flattening of his barley. Yeah, flattening. I walked through a barley field last night, and there was quite a lot of flattening going on. I went fishing just down the Y, you know, this evening, and there's, yeah, it is. And it's... Farmer Phil's got a great way of sorting that bit out, though. Why? He's not going to look. Okay. I thought that's quite <laughs> that's good. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> you don't, don't, uh, don't make yourself worry unnecessarily, because no. there's nothing you can do about it, is there? First year I've ever had rabbits in the vegetable patch and I, I shot a little baby rabbit in a separate piece that I'd fenced off that I had my French beans and my sweet corn in uh, the other day. Uh, I've never, ever bothered with culling the rabbits around the house before, but this year I've been just bumping off you know, half a dozen I mean, every other day because it's just... I've never seen rabbits like it. It's just a plague of Are they breeding like rabbits? Breeding like rabbits. Um, Have you eaten them? We don't eat them. I keep them... The dogs have them. So what I do is I skin them and then give the dogs half each and they love that. What do you do with the skin? Fresh fresh meat. Well, sometimes I chuck it. Sometimes I I put it in a compost heap. Oh. Yeah, because it's got the kind. In fact, the compost heap that the courgettes are growing in with all the chicken meal is full of uh, pigeon and rabbit carcasses. (laughs) It's sometimes a bit dodgy doing that because you can get foxes and the dogs might try and dig them out of there. So For those people that are thinking, oh, poor little furry bunny rabbit, if you were letting nature run its course, well, what you'd have to put up with it. How, you would, how well, you what tends to happen? Well, of course, rabbits, you know, you've got to, you've got to keep them down. I mean, they've been kept there since time began and they, um, they, they, they I mean, actually, they're probably not kept down anywhere near as much as they used to. What tends to happen is you get these kind of seasonal... Uh, inundations of myxomatosis, which knocks them, knocks the population sideways, and then they start to grow again. But this year, there's been no myxomatosis around, which is quite nice because there's nothing more miserable than a than a rabbit that's uh, got mixy, kind of stood there looking decidedly poorly by the side of the road or something. They also get something, they get a kind of white liver disease as well if the population gets too large, and then they, so they ultimately, if the population gets too large, they die off anyway, so they, they have to be controlled. So I think what tends to happen is when, when the population becomes too dense, they really do push the boundaries and they will try and force each other out into the, into the wider realm and they do try and encroach into, into the vegetable patch a lot more. Do they come uh, in the day? or We, yeah, we haven't day, got rabbits. Yeah, they come in the day as well, yeah, they do come in the day, especially little ones because, of course, they're, they're often the ones with the biggest appetites. So the little ones, milky does, things like that, they're really going to be stuffing their faces right through the day, dark and... And, uh, and light. But yeah, real menace this year. So quite disappointed on the bunny front. So we've been up against it a bit. But having said that, the parsnips are celeriac. The best crop of peas imaginable this year. Oh, I've got good Beautiful peas. Beautiful peas. Yeah. Have you? Mmm, lovely. And have you been stuffing your face with them? I have. It's hard to beat, you know, a freshly cracked pea. I mean, you do tend to find when you're picking them, you'll scoff as many as go in the, in the, in the pan. Oh, they're beautiful. And runner beans, they were, um, not runner beans, uh, broad beans were fabulous this year. No aphids on the broad beans. It's funny how the, you know, the, the fortune of the garden has changed year on year. You can never predict, not at all, what's going to happen in terms of climate or pest infestations or anything. It's just, uh, usually with the broad beans, you know, you, you get some black fly on there. Not a bit this year. Didn't have any at all. I mean, I always pinch the tips out, you know, at the right time to make sure that you get fewer than you might, but... Yeah, no, very little at all. Haven't seen many ladybirds either. I did see some ladybirds the other day uh, on, in somebody else's garden, some nice little seven spots, but... 
Nicked him, did you? That many around. <laughs> yeah, she didn't <laughs> back to folly, yeah. But, so, yeah. but generally, the garden's looking very good. But we, what we don't want now is too much more rain. Did you know that if you've got a good population of earthworms in your soil, mm. that 5% of the soil is earthworm burrows? 5% as high as that? Yes. Right, that's interesting. So that means drainage and aeration. Yeah, it does. And paradoxically, better moisture retention because of all that beautiful organic material they're dragging down into the soil. But I hadn't realised the figure was quite that high. That's Amazing, interesting. isn't it? Yeah. Up to one, well, it's very variable, but a good earthworm population, there's one million per acre. A million per acre? Yeah. Right. What a wonderful thing. Well, it's, uh, I mean, certainly in Herefordshire, where we, where we can um, boast some of, the, some of the oldest traditional orchards that are still intact, I mean, those kind of environments will be able to sustain those kind of populations of earthworms, that kind of undisturbed situation where there's plenty of leaf litter, you know, natural grazing, things like that, then, yeah, they'll be incredibly healthy environments. And ultimately, those kind of environments are the ones that are so useful for uh, the sequestration of, of greenhouse gases and things as well, you know. Absolutely. we got an article coming out this month in Grow Your Own magazine. Right. All about worms. Oh, brilliant. Isn't that That's cool? Really good. That 1,500 really words about worms. Fabulous. That's a lot. It is a lot. Who wrote it? I did. Did you? <laughs> oh, oh that would be really good. Heck. Hopefully, Lucy will have edited it, eh? Like Mary normally does for me. <laughs> anyway, um, let's go and see what Posy Rosie is up to in the florist and what this week's flowers are, because... I don't know if you've been in there, Rich. I did. I went to see the ladies just as I, as I walked through. I went to see, cause I hadn't seen Laurie for ages. And I wanted to uh, say hello and say hello to gorgeous Rosie as well. And the smell? Uh, the smell is stunning. Uh, and the flowers smell quite nice as well. <laughs> Here we are. Quick stop in the Wiggly Florist. Meeting up with Posy. Hi, Pose. Hello. <laughs> now, I want to know what flowers we've got in, because last night I brought the agricultural secretaries in here, and they went, ooh, and ah, and ooh, and ah, and they loved all the different flowers. It's a fantastic display this time of year. We've got some stargazer lilies. Let's have a look. They smell amazing. We've got some asters and ulstromeria. Yes. Nigella. Nigella. Yeah. Cornflowers. Lovely. Pinks. What are those lovely blue faded gorgeous flowers in the corner that look like fluff? <laughs> That's Nigella. Oh, isn't that gorgeous? It is. Really pretty. Um, what else? Agapanthus. Right. <clears throat> stocks. All stocks. Show yeah. me a stock. And these smell really nice as well. Right. Now, I'll try and describe the smell, but you know, dear listener, I haven't got any smell, but... Oh, yes, I can vaguely smell something. And you've been out in Farmer Phil's fields. Yeah. It's um, barley and wheat this week, is it? Mostly wheat, because I think the barley's gone over a little bit now. Yeah. To be used in bouquets, so it's mostly wheat. And we've also got delphiniums as well. Delphiniums, gorgeous. Thank you very much. So this week's bouquet will be mostly lovely. Right, Rich. So, how is the hen keeping going? Yeah, the hen keeping's going very well, very well indeed. And I thought it was about time for another little piece on keeping chickens. So this will be the, uh, the second piece on keeping chickens. The third piece will look a little bit more on, on chicken health 
and some of the finer points and possibly some of the difficulties people may encounter. Oh, and, a uh, troubleshooting chicken. A troubleshooting <laughs> chicken, yeah, yeah, for sure. On we go. Very good. <laughs> well, welcome to the second part of a series of three keeping chickens. I'm just letting my birds out now. I just wandered up, they're all eager to come out of their shelter. I always feed the chickens with a, a mixed corn and I put them in a uh, in a trough because it just means that it's more contained then and you tend to find that if you've got problems with rats then you can always pick it up and uh, put it away during the night. I use mixed corn because they get the nutrients they need from a mix of maize and sunflowers and wheat and you know there's, there's quite a lot of the small bird seed that they really enjoy so a real treat is to give them a nice mixed bag of quality bird seed or even poor quality bird seed actually because you've got all the wheat in there so it's uh, not such a bad thing for hens I, I, I tend to avoid pellets and things like that purely because you, you don't know where the ingredients have come from if they're made of soya then ultimately you're kind of you might well be responsible for the demise of, of the rainforest. Purely so that you can have something to feed your chickens with, which is, you know, kind of weird. So I suppose the best thing to do is get a, a nice local source of, of mixed grains, mixed cereals. These eyes have come out. I always put my chickens away at night, you know, because there's always that chance that Foxy Loxy or, or Mr Brock will come along during the night and, and uh, you know, take a bird and then of course you'd be gutted to find a, a few little corpses or absolutely nothing in the morning so it's always worth making sure that you just close the door on them at night or even if you're away you know just get a friend or a neighbour to pop up and put them away you can get those automatic doors now that sort of up and close themselves but my only concern with that would be that they they could shut the chickens out as well as in <laughs> I've got a couple of drinkers, very important to make sure the chickens have got, especially in the summertime, plenty of uh, fresh water. You know, they really need it. They do drink quite a lot, in fact. They're on grass, my birds, as well. That makes a huge difference to the, the quality of the egg. Get a very deep, orangey yolk if they've got fresh grass. And they do graze. I mean, I'm watching my uh, one of my birds here, Warren, in fact, just plucking away at the, at the grass. You know, she's supplementing the, the grains that she's just eaten with some lovely new grass. You, you do get a beautiful quality egg. I just had boiled eggs for breakfast. Stunning. I've got a cockerel. He's not very nice. He's going, actually. But uh, I think it's quite nice to have a cockerel. I mean, uh, the crowing is a wonderful thing. It's difficult. I know if you've got neighbours close by, they might not want to be woken up at five o'clock in the morning but and they do sort of maintain an equilibrium amongst the hens as well but you do have a, a, a pecking order amongst the, amongst the hens the cockle does seem to keep everyone slightly calmer I've got um, an electric fence around the chickens oddly you tend to find that if you touch it, you don't get that much from it. Sometimes you can feel a little tingle, but I think it's the, 
It's the fact that foxes and the like can sense there's an electrical current going through it and uh, consequently they just avoid going near it. The, um, the charge that goes through the fence as well is, is affected to quite an extent by the grass that grows up underneath my fence and look at my stream I've been waiting for a part for my streamer for two weeks now usually I sort of move the fence and stream and then sort of put it back and of course the beauty with an electric fence is I can quite literally whilst I can't move the chicken coop I can move the run around the coop and consequently they're getting some fresh grazing the whole time and that also reduces the likelihood of picking up and and of course of parasitic worms and like building up in the soil Things are slowed down. You tend to find that chickens do slow down in laying, and you tend to get this kind of hiatus in the spring and the autumn it picks up again. And there's a couple of months in the winter where you get absolutely nothing at all. But generally speaking, out of the seven, nine, ten birds I've got, we get them, we will get probably three eggs a day at the moment, but we can get anything up to eight or nine eggs a day, which is far more than uh, Sarah and I use, but it's a wonderful thing to be able to have to give away to, to friends and family. Because the taste from a bird that's eaten grain and that's been on fresh grazing in a wonderfully natural situation tastes a hundred times superior to anything you'll ever buy, even, a, even a, for that matter, a, um, an, an organic free-range egg. You do get attached to your chickens. These birds, uh, some are several years old now, and you know we'll just keep them until they peg it. Uh, but the hen can live to ten years, something like that. And one day you'll just come out, and they will have, will have just carked it. And of course, the other thing that's particularly good about keeping chickens is the byproduct. Chicken manure is fantastic fertilizer. Needs to rot down before you put it on the garden but what I tend to do is pile it up and you get all the wonderful bedding. I use straw for bedding it's always good to have a nice uh, layer of straw underneath the roosts because it means when the birds come off the roost and they've got a relatively soft landing so and and you know the problem with with wood shavings is it takes longer to break down you know incredibly high in carbon sawdust not a good idea because you get quite a lot of dust and it might affect them you know it might affect their breathing certainly if they're breathing in dust like that what i do is pile up all the all the clearings from the chicken house let it rot down and every year i plant all my squashes and courgettes and cucumbers and things in it as well as the horse manure that i leave to to rot down before i put it on the garden at the end of the year and i harvested my first cucumber uh, yesterday in fact what a beauty scoffed the whole thing for lunch and uh, it's incredible, that's, uh, that's quite early, to be perfectly honest. But as I look at these squashes now, they're amazing things. I mean, they, they just turn into triffids. They do so well in, this, in these compost heaps. And of course, it, it contains the moisture beautifully. And it's so rich, they adore it. I don't use the compost that I put the chicken manure in, because I, purely because I also put all my weeds on there as well. And uh, the problem with that is if I did use a compost again, I'd, I'd be transferring some of the weed seeds onto the garden. And 
you know it's not it's not a hot composting heap i can't be sure that the seeds are, are going to to die so i just leave it in situ and uh, and just plant those juicy squashes into it every year i've got george one of my jack russells out with me now just looking up at me wagging his tail and he's you know stood about a foot away from the cockerel they they just when when we first got the chickens, I remember the dogs oof, were paying us slightly too much attention to the chickens. But they do they get used to them, and then they you know they don't even consider them after a while. But it's certainly worth if you've got dogs and cats, just making sure that they get used to one another before you you uh, introduce them. It, so it's, uh, your proximity is a bit close because otherwise you might end up with dead chickens. I clip the chicken's wings as well, it's kind of important to do. What you tend to find if you forget to do it, as I've done in the past, you know, they obviously molt and they put their primary feathers back on. And uh, on a windy day, especially when they can get a little bit of a leverage against the wind, you, uh, you can come out and find them all over the place. Because I think, ooh, opportunity knocks you and get over that fence. So I just clip, you know, one wing is the thing to do. Just clip a few of the primary feathers on one wing, and it just means that they're slightly lopsided, so they can't get any real height. It doesn't hurt at all worth being a little bit careful it's, it's almost a two-man job you know spread the wing out while the while your partner just snips the feathers what you want want to be careful of is not to to cut the uh, too close to the uh, to the bone you wouldn't want to injure the poor bird or anything but obviously if you're just cutting the feathers they they can't feel a thing it doesn't seem to bother them a bit i've got a few things of interest in the pen that the chickens can jump onto you know it's worth having some old rotten branches old tree stumps and perhaps some just some some roughish kind of rough and ready roosts in the in the in the run just to just to give them something to jump up onto something that's a little bit interesting and shade that's really important they do like shade they love to dust bathe so they'll scratch like mad i mean they'll wreck a garden if you if you uh, allow them to to roam freely but shade is all important they need to get out to that blistering sun in the summertime spend a lot of time relaxing especially in the afternoon you know mornings you tend to find they'll come out and they'll scoot around the run looking for worms and bugs that have gathered during the night and then they'll feed on the grain and then in the afternoon they tend to chill out quite a lot quite a lot of mating goes on in the afternoon as well i think the hens will eat uh, practically anything you know they uh, they love the scraps they love the uh, the scraps from the kitchen and uh, what's quite a nice thing to do in in the winter time is uh, keep your potato peeling just boil them up and uh, and mix them with some grain and, and throw that to them and they love that kind of mushy sort of mash and that's a fantastic treat but i've seen you know if, if a slow worm manages to get into the chicken run the, the poor old thing tends not to get out it's a bit of a tug of war and what I often do at the end of the year, when the, uh, the mice are seeking refuge in the sheds, I'll, I'll set them mouse traps. Um, not because they can get at the grain or cause any real problems, but because invariably they'll have scoffed all my, or a, a reasonable percentage of runner beans and broad beans during the growing season. So it's more of a kind of revenge thing to, to catch the mice. And I'll, after I catch one, I'll just chuck it into the chicken run. And they think that's the most amazing thing. So you often end up uh, a mouse with uh, has shared around the whole flock by the time they've they've uh, exchanged it a few times. But yeah, it doesn't seem to do them any harm. They quite like that, and it's a uh, it's recycling really. I think that's it for this episode. Next time we'll talk a little bit more about parasites and looking after your birds' hygiene, cleaning out things like that. Okay.
Thank you, Richard. That was most informative. Very <laughs> okay. good. very convinced. Um, have you got any chickens for meat? Uh, there's four, but um, we've had a, a bit of poor success with the broody hens this year, but there's four that are uh, awaiting their fate, and uh, I'm just about to fill the incubator up ready so that we'll have a bunch of birds ready for about Christmas time. Oh. Mm, mm. Are you going to try that at all? I'd like to. Mm. It, it is a bit of a taste sensation, you know, because they are, especially when they're sort of fattened on maize and grass and, you know, a few other choice bits and pieces thrown into boot. Uh, scraps from the kitchen and stuff like that. They do seem to have, uh, they seem to be very flavoursome. Delicious. Mm. Thank you, Rich, for this week's podcast. Now, you all have listened to last week's and wondered why we're not reading out any comments, and it's because they're all coming into next week's. So, if you see what I mean, last week's, we can't speak about this week, we will next week. So, if you have got concerns about set aside or are wound up about farmer fills and my podcast last week then next week we will address that issue so enjoy your week have a lovely wiggly week from wiggly wigglers and if you want some rosy posy flowers they are looking particularly flowery (laughs) rosy posy bye bye I heard on the radio the other day, it was really funny, I thought it was quite funny anyway, some, uh, there's a chap, he said, um, he said, yeah, I was at a party the other day and I was, talking to, I was talking to someone, they were talking about Chicken Run, and he said, yeah, he said, uh, Chicken Run, that's based on a true story, isn't it? And I said, yeah, is it? He said, yeah. Yeah, you know, a whole bunch of chickens got together and built a plane so they could escape from a factory, a chicken factory. <gasps> anyway, I thought it was funny. I didn't get it, sorry. <laughs> What's the fact that somebody was gullible to go? Is it? Oh, I see. I was wondering, is it? <laughs> oh, no.